We were going to call this series Shiny Object Syndrome for the fact that all these new technologies come along and people get really excited about them. But we chose instead to call it This Does Not Compute, a podcast series about what's going on with emerging technologies, with the technologies that you read about in the papers, and we get real experts to come in and talk about them. I'm Jim Lewis. I work at CSIS. I'll be your host for this podcast. We're speaking to Miho Matsubara, Chief Cybersecurity Strategist at the NTT Corporation in Japan and one of Japan's leading cybersecurity experts. I'm really grateful that you're doing this because I think you're one of the true experts in Japan. What would you say the state of cybersecurity is in Japan? I mean, Japan's been looking at it uh, at a government level and a corporate level for at least a decade. How far, and you've been involved in that almost from the start. How, how do you think it's going? So, um, as you know, Japan has been really accelerating its cybersecurity efforts, especially after Tokyo was selected to host the 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2013. However, those efforts are not necessarily focused on remote work. It's mostly about uh, office work. So after the, the pandemic started, we, we had to change our mindset because, uh, so I have really interesting statistics here because 70%, 70% of Japanese employees work from home uh, during the pandemic for the first time at their organization. So it means that the majority of Japanese people are not necessarily used to do uh, remote work or uh, cybersecurity for remote work. Mm -hmm. So it's totally changed for a mindset to work and also to do cybersecurity. And CrowdStrike also has really interesting study on uh, Asia Pacific and Japan in comparison. So uh, 16% of Japanese employees are worried about their devices are not necessarily secure to do their remote work. And 57% of Japanese people are worried about a serious cyber incident would occur to their organization during this pandemic. And this ratio actually higher than the, the most of Asia Pacific countries. However, Here's an interesting point. 60% of organizations say that they actually have not received any additional cybersecurity training to learn about IT risks associated to uh, remote work. So they are worried, but they are not taking actions. So it's a totally contradictory that Japanese organizations are not taking any actions to tackle with new cyber threat landscape. And I, I know that it's really a tough time for everybody because it's certainly very stressful and it's uncertain. But 40% of companies in the world have cut their cybersecurity budget as of early May 2020, according to Barracuda. But I still believe that it's an urgent task for Japanese organizations, both for the government and industry to invest in cybersecurity to protect our intellectual property, 
business continuity, economy, and national defense. Why do you think that is that the the so few people have have done more no instructions on cybersecurity? Even even we got instructions on cybersecurity, and we're pretty small. Yeah, so I think it's because they they are really focusing on uh, shifting uh, the from office work to remote work to set up a new IT environment for remote work. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they have uh, embedded cybersecurity into the new IT environment from the beginning. So they are not necessarily aware that, okay, actually we have to worry about cybersecurity to, to ensure that we can do work at my home not, not even outside not the office. So that kind of mindset should be come uh, to, to make sure that the cybersecurity covers not for the, the office IT environment, but also for, for a remote work IT environment. For a while, you had a minister in charge of cybersecurity for the Olympics. And when I met with him, I told him that the during the London Olympics, the British government ordered all their employees to work from home to reduce traffic in London. And what they found was an immediate upsurge in uh, cyber espionage. Have you seen that with the pandemic in Japan? Has the rate of hacking gone up? So we've seen more reports on cyber attacks in Japan but uh, they are mostly uh, financially motivated uh, cyber crimes. How much? Do you know? Big crimes, little crimes, fraud, I mean... So it's, it's mostly about uh, hot topics such as masks or sure. financial aid from the government yeah. or um, uh, updates on the coronavirus pandemic, like how many cases you have in your city, something like that because people uh, are craving for that kind of uh, updated information. Very clever. Is it, do you know about the source? I mean, it's not, Japan didn't seem to have a big cybercrime culture the last time I looked. Is it coming from outside Japan? Uh, so I haven't seen any reports about the attribution, so I, I don't know where they are coming from. Huh, okay. Yeah, just curious. Yeah, but what I haven't seen in Japan uh, during this pandemic so far is um, ransomware attacks on the medical institutions because it's a, such a big topic and a big concern in the United States and also in Europe because their cyber espionage against medical institutions to, to be after vaccine or medical uh, research information and also ransomware attacks on hospitals in the United States and Europe. But I haven't seen that kind of incident reports in Japan yet. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. So what, give us some advice now. Tell us what you would do to, what are the things you would do, the three or four things you would do to make the situation better in Japan? I mean, what do you think the priority should be? So first action to take is that um, the CEO or president of uh, organizations uh, should uh, write an email to, to alert their employees that the cyber threat landscape has changed after the pandemic started because now uh, bad guys are targeting 
our home IT devices rather than just office IT devices because we are so vulnerable because we are not necessarily taking right steps. So they should say that, okay, the second step we will take from now is we will give you a cybersecurity training about what kind of typical cyber attacks are happening and what kind of basic cyber hygiene you should keep in your mind to make sure to you protect yourself, but also to protect your uh, colleagues and uh, partners and the customers. No, you wouldn't provide them with uh, additional software services. You wouldn't say everyone should install. The company will provide you this uh, cybersecurity tool that you can install on your home computer. So I think it's ideal. I'm sure that the big companies can afford to do that. But my concern is uh, small and medium-sized companies do not necessarily have resources to do that. So I think it's more urgent for companies uh, of any sizes to to let uh, their people know about the, the threat landscape, about basic hygiene, rather than to then to, to mandate everybody to give uh, cybersecurity tools. What was the situation like before the pandemic? I mean, what were the biggest problems? What was going on in Japan? So, uh, even before pandemic, the cybersecurity for uh, small and medium-sized companies, the big issue in Japan, uh, just like in any other countries in the world, I'm sure that it's a big problem in the United States and also in Europe. Because especially in Japan, 99% of Japanese companies are small and medium-sized companies. And, and they are uh, the, the key for uh, Japanese innovation and manufacturing, which Japan is really good at. So, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that we haven't done anything yet for the small and medium-sized companies. So um, there are um, three uh, types of cybersecurity initiatives have been going on in Japan. The first one is the, the Japanese government has been working with IT and cybersecurity companies and also with insurance service providers to offer uh, free pilot programs of cybersecurity services for SMBs, because it, if it's free, then someone medium-sized companies say, okay, even though, even though we, we don't have people and we don't have uh, tools or budget, we can still use it. So yeah, please protect us. And the second, the major Japanese companies have been working with local chambers of commerce to provide uh, cybersecurity workshops specifically for SMBs in different cities, um, especially outside uh, Tokyo, because usually most of the, the big cybersecurity conferences and workshops or seminars happening in major cities, but not necessarily in rural areas. So there's a huge gap between the, the major cities and rural areas in terms of cybersecurity knowledge and skill set. So that's why we, we need to, to make sure that that kind of knowledge will be available in different parts of the country. Is, is NTT doing that? Yes, actually, I'm glad you asked that because NTT has been really active to, to be involved in industry-driven 
cybersecurity best practice sharing frameworks, but also being involved in cybersecurity activities in collaboration with uh, different chamber of commerce. Yeah, how um how does that sit with uh, the government agencies? How does you know Medi or Mick uh, look on this uh, private sector action? Do they coordinate with them? Um, yes, because mm-hmm. small and medium-sized companies um are not just for um big companies, but also for the entire Japanese economy and national security. So it's not just for one part of Japan to, to be responsible to, to enhance SMB cybersecurity. So it's the whole team effort from Japan. And uh, actually, the Japanese government has issued five principles for uh, basic cybersecurity hygiene uh, a couple of years ago. And so so it's, it's really basic steps, such as uh, you should have strong passwords, you should keep the environment uh, security, and you should use um, antivirus software. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, uh, 80% of Japanese SMBs have antivirus software. So that's a good start. Uh-huh. But we found out that most of the Japanese SMBs have not taken other four principles as uh, cyber hygiene. So if all the Japanese SMBs can do the, the entire prince package of the, the, the basic cyber hygiene uh, principles from the Japanese government, then I'm sure that the, the Japanese cybersecurity as a whole will be much, much better. What about the Olympics? Did you feel like Japan was in good shape for the Olympics? They've, they've been postponed, but in a way that's good. It gives you even more time if you need it. What, what had Japan done about securing the Olympics? So as a, as a Japanese, I'm really proud that the Japanese government and also industry have been really stepping up mm-hmm. their efforts to enhance cybersecurity and Definitely, I've seen more initiatives and public-private partnerships and also industry-driven cybersecurity best practices and information sharing frameworks uh, all around Japan, not necessarily from just from the critical infrastructure sectors. So that's great. But again, because because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to postpone the, the 2020 Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games for one year, and we've never know about what will happen in terms of the, the pandemic, uh, the second wave and the third wave. So again, I, I'm a bit concerned about you know, how to ensure uh, cybersecurity for remote work or even remote watching of the sports games in, in one year, because now it means that maybe we have to uh, incorporate a new platform to, to ensure that kind of uh, new types of work or watching the games. And it means that we, we may need more manpower and also we may need uh, new cybersecurity efforts to, to secure the success of the Tokyo 2020. You, you mentioned in your, your note this... Um 
cross-sector forum that was created a few years ago to, to help define the profession. Um, how's that going? Are you involved still? Is that, uh, that was to professionalize cybersecurity in Japan? So again, um, the, the cross-sector forum is a baby who was born after the Tokyo was selected to host the 2020 Olympic and Paralympic mm-hmm. Games. So because well, cybersecurity needs good people. Of course, we need good technology and good uh, processes. But first of all, we need good people to understand what is a problem and what kind of solutions are needed to, to fix that problem. So six years ago, um, an NTT uh, senior executive so that, okay, we, we really need a good people to work on cybersecurity, but it's not just about one specific organization or one specific company. And we need to make sure that everybody from the, all the, the cross sector, uh, the, all the critical infrastructure sectors, uh, involved in the cultivating, uh, cybersecurity professionals and also to make sure to share best practices to, to cultivate cybersecurity professionals. So he started to knock on the door of uh, different uh, critical infrastructure companies. Mm-hmm. And then um, NTT, uh, NEC, and Hitachi, as uh, founding members, were able to, to bring together uh, 30 Japanese uh, major critical infrastructure mm-hmm. companies from all of the critical infrastructure sectors to to create a good ecosystem to educate, hire, retain, and train cybersecurity professionals in collaboration with universities, but also with the government. Mm-hmm. So you've been involved in this really from the start. How has working in cybersecurity changed uh, in Japan? I will say that 10 years ago when I went there, there was a lot of interest in Japan on cybersecurity, but there weren't a lot of people doing it. So, you know, how, how have things changed? So uh, I think that we have seen... Unfortunately, uh, some big incidents um, in Japan, um, and we, we always had to learn our lessons in a very hard way, mm-hmm. and, and it also uh, helped us to, to raise our awareness that okay, cybersecurity is not about the government; it's also about uh, business continuity, and also it's about supply chain risk management and sometimes the big incident uh, comes from subsidiaries outside Japan and because of the the aging society with fewer children, Japanese companies have been investing heavily in global market outside Japan. So it makes really challenging for Japanese companies to, to ensure the good global uh, governance in terms of cybersecurity. So we've been learning and I seen that good progresses have been made in terms of cybersecurity, but not just for uh, the success of Tokyo 2020, but also for the Japanese economy, but also for the global economy and security. Um, I think that there's uh, more things 
to be done, uh, especially in terms of uh, remote work cybersecurity. What's it been like for you working in it? Because you've been you've been in it from the start. I mean, how has it changed? Has it gotten better, worse? I mean, you have a very great title now, uh, Chief Cybersecurity Strategist. But thank you. What, when did you? <laughs> you know, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. When um. <laughs> When, how does it compare to when you started? I mean, was it difficult back then? Did you have people not accepting it? Because you, you were in the cabinet office, weren't you, at the start in that? I can't remember what it was called. Uh, I, I was, so I started my, my career in the Japanese Ministry of Defense. So there's a very interesting uh, difference between um, the Japanese and American cybersecurity career paths because... Japanese people tend to be focused more on our technical side of cybersecurity, such as mm-hmm. incident response or forensics. But um, Americans, well, they are, of course, on forensics and um, malware analysis or incident response, they are all really important. But there are also mm-hmm. people like you, you know, who are familiar with um, uh international relations, uh, policy, law, um, intelligence, because there are lots of ex-military intelligence community or law enforcement, and they've um, accumulated their expertise in the government, and then they bring their network and also expertise into industry to do more work for the bigger community. And I haven't seen that happening much in Japan yet. Of course, there are some exceptions, but there are not many ex-military or ex-intelligence community or ex-law enforcement people in the Japanese industry because it's very helpful to to promote dialogues between the government and industry because they have to work together to fix cybersecurity problems but on the other hand, there's a really interesting career path in Japan because there are multiple cybersecurity positions available in the Japanese ministries and agencies because they let Japanese major companies to come uh, their cybersecurity employees to be seconded in the government for a couple of years. So it's, a, it's another good example of public-private partnerships on cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So companies send uh, some employees to work in a government ministry for a few years on cybersecurity. Yes. So it, it's a good way to learn about how to make cybersecurity policy. Mm-hmm. Which are the most important ministries? I mean, many, of course, but what, what would you say is also in the mix? Uh, so there are the multiple... So all the ministries actually do some cybersecurity work. So, well, so you, you talk about the METI, Ministry of Economy and Trade and Industry. Yeah. So, because they do industry and manufacturing, of course, and energy. So, they cover cybersecurity. And, of course, communications, Ministry of uh, Internal Affairs and Communications, Ministry of um, mm-hmm. Defense, of course. So, so all of mm-hmm. them have different uh, cybersecurity career portfolio to, to contribute to uh, better cybersecurity and better cyber hygiene 
for Japan, but also for global cooperation. An NPA, National, uh, Police, National Police Agency, Agency. Does more I, I think you are yeah. more familiar with the Japanese cybersecurity than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I used to talk to a lot of、uh, Japanese people. And it was true back then that many of the people who identified themselves as cybersecurity experts were really computer scientists. And I always took that as a That's one of the things I use for how mature the cybersecurity policy or cybersecurity is in a country is when it's no longer just the computer scientists because they they have a funny way of thinking that doesn't always fit into law enforcement or national security measures the way you'd want. So is that still true in Japan? It's mainly computer scientists, or are you you seeing other people get into the field? Um, so there are several Japanese universities which provide、uh, cybersecurity classes as a mandatory to take.、Mm. So it、mm -hmm. so that kind of cybersecurity classes are not just about computer science. Of course, computer science is important, but not、sure. only about coding. It's also about a basic aspect of、um, cybersecurity、uh, legislation or policy. So it's a more holistic view of cybersecurity. So it's it's really helpful not for technical people but also for the future business people to understand.、Mm -hmm. Okay, so how we should take、uh, cybersecurity into consideration to do our business, and、uh, the cross sector forum,、uh, which now has forty、uh, four members from Japanese critical infrastructure sectors. So some of Those members actually provide、uh, cybersecurity classes at different Japanese universities, and because they also have cybersecurity professionals in house, so they send、uh, their cybersecurity employees to Japanese universities to share hands-on knowledge to how to fix technical problems, for instance.、Mm. Neat. One of the arguments you used to hear was that.、Uh, Japan had a unique culture and a unique language, and that gave it a kind of invulnerability to uh, uh, cyber attack. And in fact, one way to tell、uh, where some of the attackers were coming from was their unfamiliarity with the Japanese language. Do do people still believe that? Do they think Japan has a sort of unique characteristic that gives it a higher degree of protection, or? So I I really wish that the Japanese language give us an extra layer of a、uh, firewall, so、yeah. to say. But it's not true anymore because <laughs> Google translation is pretty good. Oh no! <laughs> so well, you can still tell the well a tiny grammatical mistakes or tiny、mm -hmm. uh, font change. I don't know which Japanese would never use. Like okay, so this must be a phishing email, but it's getting better. And so, couple years ago, we we don't see business email compromise in Japanese, so they are all English. So if you do your business only in Japanese, then you you would not open that kind of email. 
from the beginning.、Mm. But now we have Japanese business email compromises in Japan. So, <laughs> so Japanese language doesn't give us any layer of protection anymore. Is that to the extent you know? Is that Japanese criminals or is it Chinese criminals? Is it、uh, someone else? You know, it used to be Chinese, and you could tell from the way they were writing Japanese that it was a Chinese speaker writing in Japanese. Is, is that how it works for business email compromise, or can you even tell? I cannot tell, but、um, I haven't seen any research、uh-huh. on where、okay. those business email compromise emails are coming from. So,、uh, maybe to wind up, if you had a wish list for Japan, what are the things you'd want to see happen in the next、uh, two or three years? Certainly before the Olympics,、mm-hmm. uh, but over the next two or three years, what would, where would you like to see Japan concentrate its efforts? What would you change in, in what they do now? I mean, what,、uh, give, us, give us your wish list. So, So, again, and I, I, I'd like to go back to the, the, the first topic, the, the remote work and cybersecurity. So,、yeah. I, I know that、well, a lot of companies are now struggling with a recession going on, and it's difficult、uh-huh. for them to provide extra、uh, cybersecurity training for their employees.、Mm-hmm. So, so, he, so, here's my, my wish list or the bucket list. So, Major Japanese companies, which still can afford to send their employees to do a webinar、um, or the online workshop on、um, cybersecurity training for remote、mm-hmm. workers. So they should work with、um, the local chambers of commerce to, to,、mm-hmm. to reach out to different parts of Japan、um, to give a training. For uh, companies of all sizes, not just for、uh, major companies, but also small and medium sized businesses. And B, if, but those, well, one size fit all of training doesn't necessarily satisfy top notch、um, employees、uh, who have a、um, better idea of what cybersecurity is. So then, That、uh, the Chamber of Commerce in different parts of Japan and also Japanese major companies should work together with also advanced level of、uh, cybersecurity training to, to ensure that, okay, so now we, we are doing、uh, cybersecurity training for, on、uh, basic cyber hygiene, but what about the extra layer of protection? How we can make sure to To give、uh, advanced training for、uh, intermediate level of employees or advanced level employees、uh, in different parts of Japan. Then I, I think that it's helpful not only for Japanese industry, but it's also helpful for the, the success of Tokyo 2020 because I'm sure that remote work is playing a big role. For、uh, Tokyo 2020 in one year as well. Okay, anything that we missed that you want to bring up? Anything, any final remarks or thoughts? I mean, we've, we've known each other a long time, and as I said at the beginning, I do regard you as one of the true experts in Japan, and you've really, you've really held, <laughs> held strong in what was at times a very difficult environment. Any, any final thoughts on what we should do, how we can cooperate better? I mean, the US and Japan are. 
uh, what you'd like to say. This is your big chance to say something at the end. Oh, yes. So, um, as, as a Japanese and uh, as a Japanese who is, who's been involved in uh, cybersecurity uh, for a while uh, within Japan and also outside Japan, um, I, I know that the Japanese companies and also Japanese government have been making really big efforts for um, cybersecurity. But unfortunately, I also know that the most of documents available are written in Japanese. So it's not very helpful for non-Japanese speakers because then outside people are like, okay, Something going on in yeah. Japan, but we, we, we know, there's no way to know what's going on. So I, I, I think that what the Japanese people should do and what I want to add to my bucket list is to, to publish more, um, English articles and also do, uh, more English webinars to explain about, okay, so, that's the struggle the Japanese companies and Japanese government have been struggling with over the last few years. And that's the big step forward we want to make. And here's an opportunity for both the Japanese and American industry or the government and the industry to, to mm-hmm. collaborate together to, to fix problem A or problem B. Then you can say, that, okay, well, we can do that. Or, well, we can do Actually, we already have a solutions. So why, so why don't you use that? Then we can start really productive dialogue to, to fix or at least to, to mediate the problem. Um, Mio, this, is, this has been great. So uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode.